Welcome to the Entrepreneur of the Month podcast brought to you by GetResponse, the marketing software with more than 300,000 consumers around the globe. Hey folks, my name is Jamie Turner. You guys know me as an ambassador for GetResponse. You can find me not only on GetResponse's website, but also at ResponseCon, which is happening in Boston on April 9th and 10th of 2019. If you get a chance, join us at ResponseCon. Lots of great speakers there, lots of learning there for everybody, whether you're a, you know, a small startup or a large business, you can learn a lot there. Speaking of learning a lot, I am really pleased to welcome back to our show, Eddie Yoon. Eddie is the author of Super Consumers. He's been with us before. We had a great time when he was here before. Eddie, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jamie, for having me back. Absolutely. Glad to have you here. Um, question for you. So last time we talked, you had a lot of really interesting stuff that you were talking about, the missionary uh, versus mercenary uh, ideas behind business, all that sort of stuff. Let me ask you, when you look out and see business people out there, who's your biggest inspiration? Who do you look at and go, that's somebody I think I could learn something from, or that's somebody I'd like to be like? Yeah, the... the um the there's a couple that come to mind. Um, there was a partner that I worked with uh, by the name of John Balcom and great guy. Um, but what, he, he had an unusual pattern to his year in that he was gone in the summers. And I was like, where'd you go? And then he said, well, I, I go to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I study for, you know, 10 weeks. I'm like, Okay, I don't know why you do that, but okay, but it's it's pretty noble. But then I was like, how do you pull that off? You're in client service. He's like, well, I, it's important to me, and you know, he was being humble about it. He's like, my clients just kind of know not to bother me in the summer. And when I kind of thought about it, what I realized was um, his expertise was in board of directors performance management, so like a very specific but very high level niche. He was probably the best at it in the world. And when you're the best at something that no matter how big it is, but you, you are, it's important, you call the shots, right? And so he could charge what he wanted to charge. And the way that he expressed it was, you can't bother me in the summers, right? Wow. And so clients knew to just say, it was the price of working with John and John is irreplaceable. And I always remember that. And I, I, I never had any kind of noble aspirations like he did about studying the class. I just wanted to be home in Hawaii for the yeah. in the summer. But, but um, I remembered that about, um, you know, this idea that when you don't have to be the best at everything, but you have to be the best at something and maybe not in the world, but in some sort of relevant um, frame of reference. And if you can do that, then, you know, the whole pricing theory becomes true is that you can charge whatever you want because there, there is no substitute for you. And it can be, I only want to work one month out of the year and I charge a ridiculous amount. Or it can be, I just want to work with people that I like to work with. And I, I refuse to work with other, you know, client X, you may pay me whatever you want, but I just don't like you or right. I don't believe in what you're going to do. So I'm not going to work with you and stuff. So he, he's someone that I, I, I've really kind of modeled my solopreneur time after it's taken me 20 years to get there. But yeah. It's been an inspiration to think about. But you did just, if I recall correctly, on one of your videos, you talk about the fact that you uh, were taking, a, I think, a month off in, in Hawaii where you yeah. were from originally. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I we we just were able to do that, and you know it, it it's I, I get people asking you know the usual work life balance and everything's a little bit different and stuff, but then I I do kind of feel like um, uh, the way that I feel like I am solving for it now is 
again, um, when you are different and you are the best and you can charge what you want at some level, and maybe not all the way there, but somewhere in that line, then you have the freedom to dictate more of your life than you realize, which is the benefit of being a solopreneur. And so, yeah, I, I think that's my goal is to, you know, I, notionally, I suppose I could try to have work-life balance throughout the year. Um, but this is also a great way of, we're all, my family, we're all going to be in Hawaii. We're going to see grandma and grandpa, and this is how we're going to do it. And so it's been a real blessing and a joy, and hopefully we'll see how it goes. You know, you said something important there, which is you don't have to be the best at everything. You just have to be the best at something. And I think, uh, I know I forget that. I'm always going, oh, I got to learn so much. And it, it can get a tiny bit exhausting. I have to be honest that I'm a curious person, as I know you are as well. So there's that fun side of it. But then there's also the, if I don't read this article, you know, somebody else is going to read it and I need to be kind of up to speed on it. But if you are the best at, a, you know, it's that get rich in a niche thing. If you're mm -hmm, the best mm -hmm. at something that's kind of narrowly defined, it, it puts you in a much better uh, position. If you were going to recommend, so you do a lot of reading. I know if you were going to recommend one book to our readers, what would the book be? Well, it, for listeners, it, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the uh, the one that comes to mind right now is a book called Niche Down by Christopher Lockhead and Heather Clancy, and it's it's you know it's it's very much down the strike zone of the solopreneur gig. But you know, a lot of what I talked about is kind of I, I've stolen from their book and the like. But you know, I, I think they they give a bunch of case studies around um, people who have successfully pulled off a solopreneur career and kind of what it takes to get there and stuff. And so it's, uh, uh and they, they both have really, uh, neat backstories, but I, I know Christopher particularly well, he was, um, uh, a three time CMO in Silicon Valley, uh, was dyslexic as a kid got, you know, was told he was dumb mm -hmm. and, um, really, you know, school of hard knocks, but really forced himself to learn by reading, which was not easy being dyslexic, but he, built his career in the Valley, was very successful there, um, wrote a, another book called Play Bigger, which I would recommend wholeheartedly, but also like he has this podcast called Legends and Losers where he has these wonderful guests of, of really ultra successful people. Um, and he talks about this basic premise of, you know, you, you can only be legendary if you've experienced a lot of losing along the way in the first yeah. but, but anyway, he, 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 um, he, this book niche down, I think is just a real gem. And I, to me, it's the future of where careers are going because, um, you know, the, the note, you know, just as companies have less incentive to be loyal to, uh, and provide lifetime employment, um, you're only going, if you have a skill set that's worth something, then it's worth far more on your own than it is at any given company stuff so i think this will be the way that people go interesting is that so is the premise of the book is it the gig economy sort of is that the premise or or what is what is the key yeah, idea it's the the same ideas that i've been talking about of like uh, you find uh, a particular lane and you got to be very very different and yeah can't be the same as anybody else and i think if you can do that like so he, he wrote a book called the play bigger one is what uh create uh, category design so and becoming the category king so not not just I'm trying to eke up more shares I talked about, but I am the Netflix of streaming movies. And so how do you apply that idea where you're as dominant as Netflix, but in your particular niche, as it were, or lane? Yeah. Um, so he, he, he differentiated big E entrepreneur, small E entrepreneur, and that's what I love about it. 
Ah, sounds like a great book. Definitely going to have to check that one out as well as uh, your book, uh, Super Consumers. Um, if you were going to, you know, a lot of folks listening, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, things like that, if you were going to give them one piece of advice, um, what would it be? You know, what would you tell somebody starting a business today that they should focus on moving ahead so that they can have some of the success you've seen for your clients as well as your business. Yeah. I, I, can I give you two? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Two is, so, more than that. <laughs> um, and, and actually the, if you look uh, on my web, on my website or my LinkedIn page, um, I did two segments on MSNBC separately about two different topics. And these are the two I want to share, but the first one is about the 20, 20, 20 rule, which is, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, the vast majority, like over 60% of a business's success is a function not of your business, but of the category tailwind or headwind behind it. So the most important thing that you can decide is to pick a category that is growing. Do not pick one that is declining. Like don't enter the cereal business. That's not a good one to enter into. Right. right? (laughs) Or a soup and the like. Um, But the, so then the 2020 rule is this idea of um, you want to pick a category where there's a, there's 20% of consumers have a clear need that they can express. So if it's more than that, it becomes kind of diluted. If it's too small, then it's, uh, it's a little bit niche in a way that's maybe not scalable. Uh, The mid 20, the middle 20 is uh, a 20 year trajectory and a a track record, right? So um, the, like if you look at the trajectory of beer, I've done a lot of, a lot of work in beer, but like it was 30 years of light beer growth from the eighties to the you know 2010s and then craft beer, which is, you know, taking a, uh, taking over there. But you just think about it, it was a migration from lesser calories and now we're adding calories back into it. Yeah. Right. It's a yeah. very simple way of looking at it. But yeah. if you were as you could have been successful in either scenario, if you just understood the category tailwinds and headwinds. Right. And then the last 20 is just this idea of um, this trend should be very clear in uh, 20 of the top local markets in your category. And so what, what I always say is like everybody wants to build a national business, but most businesses are hyper regional. And so if you can think about I don't have to dominate everything, but I have to I have to be good and relevant in this 20 year uh, trend trajectory in a place where you know, um, I, I'll go back to beer. Like there are certain cities that are just farther along on the craft beer spectrum than others. No, no judgment, but it, it just kind of is what it is. So 2020, 20 rule, pick a, pick a category that's got a strong tailwind and you'll be going to be in great shape. And then the other one is, uh, I just did this video on MSNBC was the, the two, four, eights. So I, I like my math, you know, uh, yeah. catches here, but, um, Two four eight is a, 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 a formula. It, it what I use it for is how do you measure the health of a business versus just the performance of a business. And uh, for a consulting, when I was a senior partner, I had a mentor of mine who was an ex senior partner at McKinsey. You talked about as long as you have two live projects, four proposals that are you know done and submitted, and you have eight discussions with senior people, I don't care how your year is going, you're going to be fine. The ratio yeah. suggests to me you're going to be healthy. And um, it's also this math game that my mom would play with me when I was little, just kind of like, how do you double, you know, see how far you can get. But what I, what I kind of realized coming out of it, whether it's consulting or selling cupcakes, is um, the, the ratios are what matters versus the absolute number. So two refers to how many customers or clients can you have that you can serve comfortably with distinction and excellence, right? So it's understanding your limits and mm-hmm. say, 
and, and, and as a consulting partner, you know, it, it's actually anyone who's hiring consultants, you should ask the senior partner, what other stuff do you have going on? Because yeah. that's about the amount of attention that you'll get. You should ask, where am I in yeah. that hierarchy of things? Right, right. right. But um, two is, yeah, just what can you do well? Not overextending and not over uh, under delivering. Mm -hmm. uh, four is a reflection of uh, how many prospects you should have that you're actively marketing and selling to, but it's really uh, a function of your close rate, right? So if in consulting your close rate's fifty percent, then you should have double your capacity, and close rates vary. So that's but you know that that's like a measure of I don't have to worry about are my leads converting? Is do I understand my ratios and do I have enough? In, in that part of the, the funnel. And then the eight refers to, and again, these are arbitrary numbers and for other businesses, but um, I, I like to double them. And it's how many geeking out conversations am I having about my category, not about me or my brand, mm -hmm. uh, to people who are also super consumers of the category. Uh, and, and specifically, I am not, I am not actively in selling to them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they have not expressed the need. So don't do that because you'll drive them away. Mm -hmm. And what 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 I found is that um, my best long term clients are smarter than I am. They know as much about strategy as I do. And the reason why we get along is whether or not I'm actually doing work for them is we just like talking about the stuff. Right. They love hearing about what else I'm working on. They love hearing about stories in my articles and stuff. And what I found is that it builds trust so that when you pick up the phone, they don't run away from you because they think you're going to try to sell them something. Um, but also what I figured out is that, um, you know, eventually if, if you find somebody who's really into the category, right, and they love it just for itself, they probably eventually turn into a prospect because they have a need and it becomes organic. They, and you're top of mind, or they will know somebody who has a need because everyone knows them as the geek of, IOT stuff or cupcakes or whatever, right? And yeah. and so it it is ultimately valuable, but in a again the, that mercenary missionary thing that I talked about the first time out, right? Mm -hmm. Is that it? What it does is it just helps you figure out, regardless of what my PL looks like and regardless of how I'm feeling at the moment, the numbers tell me I should feel good or I should not feel good about the health of my business, and that's the one that I would suggest uh, as a compliment to the first. I I love that. I mean, it's easy to remember. You can see it on a whiteboard in your office just to remind you when you walk in, this is, you know, you should be having eight conversations for, is it four proposals that were out and then two that you're actively working on? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that was Ish. the one. So, so for me, that's a great one of only two live projects. And yep. it, it forces the discipline of like, oh, someone wants more help. It'll be my third one. And you have to have the guts to say not now or no, right? Yep. And Which and only makes them watch it more, by the way. Exactly. As know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And they're like, wow, you're in that much of a demand. That's really cool. So we're rounding the bend here. I got one last question for you. What, what do you, from an e-newsletter or a magazine or a blog point of view, what do you read? Because it's clear you've, you're, you're on top of a lot of different concepts and ideas that are important business concepts. What's coming into your inbox that kind of keeps you in that state? Yeah, so the the newsletter that I, I enjoy reading is by one of them is by Ben Thompson. He does Stratechery, and it's you know uh, he's an analyst based out of Taiwan, and I, I would love to build something like that in my space. But you know he writes two three emails a week um, about you know Facebook and Google and Netflix and technology or companies, and you know he sees the news and it's like a 
New York Times op-ed editorial, Walter Cronkite type of, you know, wise old person. I don't know how old he is, but it's just a nice perspective mm -hmm. that is thoughtful from someone who's been around the block. And so I like people like that um, uh, when it comes to those opinions. I, I, I read a diverse set of things of, um, I, I like following this one guy on, um, his name is Haralabab Vulgaris. He's a famous basketball gambler and you know he, he 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 doesn't write blogs and stuff i don't think but he's just on twitter and he just has an interesting take on the world and you know just like you don't think about um making money off of gambling but um i i think what he has blended with a analytics and he, you know it's, it's really quite interesting he's, he watches every single nba game every single one. Oh wow and so it's this I, he is probably the best like at just consuming the games coupled with really superb analytics and um his great story is when the 2000 lakers were um they had not won yet but were in the finals he just noticed that they you know the analytics and the eye test was suggesting that they would win so he took his life savings and put it all on them to win the finals and that paid out in a big way for him and that wow career but wow. It's this idea that if you, um, and again, sometimes it has stuff that's related to what I do, but sometimes not. But I just like thoughtful people who see things differently. They have hypotheses and they back it up with data. Yeah. And that I usually find like cross pollination much easier that way and different ideas since I don't know. So I, I, there's random things I enjoy reading like that, but um, yeah, I love that. That's great. And I think that's important that idea of cross pollination because it helps you just sort of see things across the board. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Where, where can people find out more about you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Eddie would grow, uh, or you can get me on LinkedIn, which most of my contents there or uh, find my website, uh, net, and then sign up for my newsletter and you'll regularly get my content. There as well. That sounds great, Eddie. Thanks a lot for being part of this episode of the Entrepreneur of the Month podcast, which by the way, has been brought to you by GetResponse. Join us again soon. And as always, look for us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and at getresponse.com slash resources. My name is Jamie Turner, and I'll catch you next time.